0: Filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. If you need legal representation on employment issues, including wage and hour disputes, discrimination and harassment claims, wrongful termination, you need help with a severance package or non-compete clauses, or you just need equal employment opportunity and civil rights representation, general civil litigation, or even defamation, the Ehrlich Law Office has you covered if you are in Northern Virginia or the District of Columbia. For a free consultation, head over to EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster.
1: So this one time Uh, I was asked by, I was kind of put on the spot by a guy that I didn't know. I was literally meeting him like for the 30 seconds after I was introduced to him. And he was trying to impress these two girls. And he didn't know me other than my name. So he knew my, he he and my friend were coworkers. So he introduces himself, uh, or they introduced me to these two girls. And he's like, this is my friend, Pat. Uh, We work together. And this is Jason. He's a consultant. That's in town, he happens to be in town right now, and I'm completely like all I know is that he seems to be wanting to um have like tell lies as fun. This is like the one thing I picked up on him in the like tiny amount of time we've talked, and I'm not a consultant I don't know anything about their business um and I'm in town, so I have to make up a place where I was from and on <laughs> the spot, the place that I landed on that I figured that these girls didn't know anything about was Cincinnati. So I was like, I'm I'm from Cincinnati, and they immediately started picking the the, the issue apart because one <laughs> of them one of them knew someone from Cincinnati and was asking questions about Cincinnati that I didn't know about. Um, they wanted to know what part of town I lived in. And I said, right right near downtown. Um, no, no, <laughs> you, no, no, big
0: mistake. Um, Ben is our expert in all things They...
1: They brought up the Oktoberfest, which at the time I did not know that Cincinnati had an Oktoberfest whatsoever. And they were like, isn't it like the biggest one in the U.S.? And I, I was like, well, I feel like Chicago's <laughs> is probably bigger, but it's pretty big.
2: It um, is pretty big because Cincinnati does have a very large German population.
1: Right, and it, it made sense to me when they asked the question. It had just – I had never thought for a second about whether or not they had an Oktoberfest. Um, and so my instinct was to just think of another city – with a German population that's bigger than Cincinnati and say that that one's probably bigger. Um, and I don't know if that's true either, but the whole thing was a mess. <laughs> uh, asking, well, asking,
2: what's, asking what part of town you're from is, for some reason, a, the first question anybody from Cincinnati asks anybody else from Cincinnati. We're weird tribalists like that. Okay. Also, also, like, what high school did you go to? Or what yeah, school that, did you go to? They always mean high school. They never mean college.
0: Yeah, that's similar in Evansville, Indiana, where I'm from. That is a regional similarity.
2: Yes.
1: I, I feel like my answer right near downtown was inspired by Dave Chappelle in the movie Half-Baked. Uh, when they asked what part of Jamaica he was from, and he said, right near the beach. Um, it was a similar level of a lack of knowledge of what the subject we were claiming to know about. I'm and pretty also,
0: sure that you should never, ever use... line from Half-Baked as inspiration for any kind of plan you want to succeed.
1: I didn't think... It it was only until later I was like, that's probably where that came from. (laughs) Um, Just trying to think on my feet. But, uh, I mean, the other thing was they were like, so you're from out of town, but you have a DC United jersey. It's not even, like, this year's jersey. You didn't just buy it today. And I had to, like, make up some sort of, like, well, my parents are from here and, and... there wasn't a team... You still could have gone with, I went
2: to Maryland.
1: It, the whole thing was a scramble. So that, that once you get scrambling, you have to keep scrambling. There's no sure footing at any point. <laughs> what we're hearing is that Jason is a wonderful liar. And, and, no, and I'm, I, sure. I'm not hearing that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that... that <laughs> and then gets the sarcasm. Girls, one of the two girls definitely knew that everything I was saying was wrong. <laughs> well, luckily, none...
0: None of our listeners will get that impression from you. I was looking for a segue, none,
1: no, it none was
0: safe. forthcoming. No. So instead I'll just say, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined, as always, by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where you can find us, us and several other wonderful writers writing about DC United, MLS in general, and other various whatnots and what have yous. We've got a good show for you tonight, notwithstanding uh, DC United's result, or lack thereof, on the weekend, losing 2 nothing to the San Jose Earthquakes. We're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about the Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League, which is quite a mouthful, so we'll just call it the CONCACAF in- or the yeah. CCL.
1: Is, is
0: Scotiabank paying you for this? <laughs> no, but they're like on the official hashtag now, so...
2: I, when, when, to when, use I don't use page. that hashtag.
1: Well, you're not a part of the conversation then, guys. Come on. Scotiabank can can send me some money and I'll start putting an extra S in my (laughs) tweets. Okay,
0: fine. I will also hold out for for money from Scotiabank. (laughs) If you want to sponsor us, we have room for another sponsor. So come on. I'll gladly put the S in there. Come on, (laughs) on, uh, Canadian banks. Uh, Make us use your name or letter (laughs) when we talk about the Champions League. Uh, DC United got off to a good start in their Champions League campaign, and their second game in the group stage is coming up. We'll talk about that, and we will also talk about this weekend's upcoming nationally televised finale to this season's Atlantic Cup as DC United travels up to New Jersey. Before we get to any of it, though, Jason Anderson, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, I have the Brewers Art. uh, I believe they just came out with this fairly recently, uh, Chop Tank Saison. Chop Tanked is with an apostrophe D, uh, as if it is a verb, uh, but it's a made-up verb, clearly. Right, like being conca for example. Um, they had a Chop Tank Belgian Strong Ale, and this is not that. Um, this is much more of a summer beer. It's pretty good. There's an, a little bit of like a rye note uh, in there, but it's not like a powerful rye note. Um, you, you could drink a lot of these in the summer and feel pretty good about yourself. Nice. Ben, what do you got tonight?
2: So we've been making pickles here in my house because.
0: Tell me you're drinking the brine. Tell me you're just drinking pickle juice.
2: <laughs> I'm not drinking straight pickle juice. Oh. Um, but yeah, pickles are easy, and they're and making them yourself are uh, much more delicious than store bought pickles. So. I finished one of the jars, and we decided, uh, not we, there's no we, I decided that I wanted to do weird <laughs> things with the leftover pickle brine.
0: Ben, Ben, before you go on, is this okay for radio? We are a family's <laughs> podcast.
2: Yes, it is. I mean, it just talks about me putting strange liquids in my body. <laughs>
0: In that case, go on.
2: (laughs) So I was Googling around, and I found a website called Drinking in America, and they have a uh, cocktail called the Pickled Surfer, which is whiskey, pickled juice, lime, Old Bay, and that's what it is. And I haven't actually tasted this yet, so here goes. I mean,
0: it sounds like a pretty pretty solid bet for this show, so I hope it's not awful. Which is also how I feel
1: about every episode of the show.
2: <laughs> that is not too bad. That is pretty decent. I like that.
1: We didn't beat right. the passes. disaster of uh, the shandy that you had.
2: Nope, yeah. nope.
0: nope, It, it turns <laughs> out combining random liquids and seasonings in a cup with whiskey works better than combining beer and grapefruit juice, no matter who it is that's doing it. Yep. Yeah. That is Damn. the lesson we learned tonight.
2: Pickled surfer. It's good.
0: So I am in Chicago right now. Um, I have, <laughs> in a hallway. I, I returned, yeah, in a hallway, if, if the reverb is noticeable at all. Um, yeah, I'm sitting in an apartment hallway in Chicago because that is what things have come to right now. Um, I went out looking for the s- signature beer of Chicago, and if anyone is thinking Goose Island 312, just get right the hell out right now. Um, I, I am talking about Old Style, which for years and years was the classic Chicago beer, and we had it at Purdue when I was there, um, with, with some regularity before some other beers kind of started to push it out of stores and bars. Um, it turns out now, apparently, you can only get it at Wrigley Field. I didn't know that, and so I went out looking for it today and and was unable to find it. I found PBR, and Pabst, I think, owns Old Style, so I was hoping that when when I saw PBR, I would be able to find it, uh, but to no avail. So instead, uh, I, I went the, the other direction and got a little bit fancy with a craft brew. Um, two Brothers Artisan Brewing, Domaine Dupage, Dupage, French Country Ale. This is from Warrenville, Illinois, which they describe on the... The, the six pack as Chicago-ish, and it's good. It's you know, it's not bitter. It's kind of just a brownish country ale. It's nice, pretty good.
2: Not Stay to be confused. Busy. It's fine. Not to be confused with Virginia's Three Brothers Brewing Company.
0: No, there are only two of them in Warrenville, Illinois, apparently. Let's get to the soccer, unfortunately, this first segment <laughs> that was
1: amazing for tension of doom what was that? That was Jason. the thunder the thunder hitting uh Maryland right now <laughs> that was amazing. That was the first time I'd said something ever and had
0: like a hollywood sound effect some, come on like uh, completely natural thunder
1: <laughs> <laughs> to give you an idea it was incredible to give you an idea i could feel that in my feet uh, in the floor it was it was that kind of thunder. What i think the coolest thing about that is i'm
0: hundreds of miles away from you and and, yeah. and you are where you 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 were the where the portention of doom happened That was wonderful. Now you need to learn to control your powers. (laughs) I do, clearly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I just need to figure out how to... Um, Let me see if I can still pick up my beer bottle. Maybe.
2: Or are you just (laughs) the... uh, Are you the uh, rain god from Douglas Adams who knows all the different kinds of rain?
0: I have no idea. I I, I don't know. I'm... it may or it's may not even guy. be a god, as it turns out.
2: If someone asks if you're a god...
0: You say yes. I'm in Chicago. I should know that. Although that's New York. Blues Brothers is Chicago. Too many <laughs> Bill Murray... <laughs> SN- not Bill Murray. Other SNL. All right, I'm going to stop now, and we're going no, to get to soccer, the because the portention of Doom we're, we're, has clearly thrown me we're just
2: We're just as disastrous as DC United.
0: Clearly. DC United managed to... Get DC United this weekend, allowing two shots on goal, which resulted in two goals for the San Jose Earthquakes and a, a two nothing loss against the Earthquakes. United put just four of their own twenty three shots on frame. Jason, you've written a lot recently about the other shoe dropping. Was this the other shoe, or because it felt it felt different to me? This was not the same things that went wrong in recent weeks for United, but it was still a really horrendously bad result.
1: Uh, I mean, I I think the other issue was the game against New York, where we saw a brief glimpse of how things are supposed to go, and then uh, reverting back to the sort of error-strewn form, the vulnerability that's that's been there lately. Not just lately, really, for almost, for much of the summer, uh, at this point, you have to say. Um, This was just It was a different version of that, Um, and this team has been sort of waiting for that to happen at RFK, where they give up the early goal, and they don't, I mean, A, they didn't have the sharpness to come roaring back, as in the other games, but also, San Jose is better defensively than Philadelphia and Real Salt Lake by quite a bit. Um, They've just started finding their form, they're coming off of the best result of their entire season, and... Um, they, I, I think that they, San Jose came in believing they they could hold up a shutout, um, and they mostly they were fairly comfortable in doing it. Unfortunately, the 23 shots makes it sound like um, David Bingham was uh, under siege, but he really didn't have any sort of tests um, that yeah, he had. Like I said, enough. only four shots on you know, uh, A few, a few shots were that should have been converted were missed, but. For the most part, it was just sort of shooting for lack of a better idea, which uh, is kind of what it feels like to play DC United normally. Um, it, it was a pretty discouraging game. I don't. I, I think this was. Um, I wonder how long um, before we see some sort of more radical change because the the in terms of player selection or formation because the the giving up goals that early. Um, something something has to change, and and at first you know you can yell and scream or um just talk or or relax the guys before the game, but eventually you have to start looking at players um rather than uh, tactics or um pregame speeches or anything like that. Um, and the weird thing is is that uh other than you know Burnbaum was involved in a couple of the early goals, but he wasn't involved in all of them, and. It's almost like it's a different person each time, um, or different people. Um, or this one had a little bit of a slice of bad luck to it since um Dykstra did manage to palm the ball away. United had a chance to poke the ball clear, and then Taylor Kemp didn't really go to the ball. Uh Chris Rolfe couldn't hold off the challenge coming in, uh, and then the ball ends up in the back of the net. So this one was a mo- it wasn't one person or two people, it was like six or seven people all making a small mistake, one after the other after the other, and then you end up behind again, and this time against a team that can make you pay for it. So Jason
0: mentioned that Bermbon had been blamed by a lot of people for some of the previous early goals. He was held out of this one. Um, Kofi Opari started instead, and he was at the very least close to the ball on both goals, whether you want to blame him for them or not. I think the second one, his really naive challenge on Quincy Ameriqua, definitely needs to be shouted out and pointed at because that was bad. But, Ben, what did you make of Opari's performance on the overall?
2: On the overall, I mean... uh, On the overall, (laughs) it was... uh, And then it was bad in the moments that really mattered, so... I mean that's where you, especially that second goal, that's where you miss Steve Birnbaum. He is, for for all of the other uh, foibles to his game, he might have, he is really good at blocking shots and blocking the ball and just poking the ball away. So I think he would have been able to do a lot better there. And I mean, you can't have done much worse than Apare did there. So, mm. uh, Yeah, I think Steve Burnbaum would have made a world of difference there. I mean, on the overall, though, uh, even if Burnbaum had been in, I I think the team was still crappy enough overall that uh, they probably still deserved to lose. But I think Okara is going to head back to a well-deserved spot on the bench. But as Jason was saying before, if you want to shake things up, the other center back spot is a place in theory you could shake things up, but I don't see... Ben Olsen doing that at all, nor do I really think that Boswell needs to be benched.
0: So, Jason, you've talked a lot in the past. This is apparently the Jason Greatest Hits Tour. Uh, You've talked a lot in the past about how DC United tends to be better in the big moments and better in the boxes at either end of the field than the other team. This was exactly the opposite of that, where United couldn't put a shot on frame, and the only two San Jose puts on frame in the entire game both managed to go in. Um, Especially surprising, I guess, and and I guess this could be something that's either really, really good or really, really bad, and and this is obviously the latter, is our center backs looked better in San Jose's box than they did in our box. They looked better attacking set pieces. Bobby Boswell had a fantastic little... um, Almost a laugh, he just stuck his foot out in the air and managed to deflect it directly to Alvaro Saborillo, who skied his shot, of course, um, but Kofi Opari had a couple of good moments attacking set pieces as well, but there are those goals at the other end of the field. what do you i 'm just throwing it open to you i don 't really have a question. I just wanted to go on that and then see hear your thoughts
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it, San Jose definitely was better inside both boxes. Um, there, I'm sure Kinnear is going to sit them down and talk to them about how many shots they gave up and um, you know the, the looks that that were given up. Probably they they probably should have come out of the game having conceded at least one. Um, so they're going to have things to work on. But um, yeah, it, it was it was a uh, just sort of a discouraging performance because. You'd think that United would know how to not fall for their own game plan, basically. And uh, San Jose's plan is actually an even more simple version because they don't have the players that can come inside and combine. They don't have a Chris Roth or a Nick Dalion in running the wings. Um, They are playing the oldest 4-4-2 you can play. Just fast guys that run down the side and cross... um, two holding midfielders, one of whom is pretty good at passing but doesn't really create chances. He just doesn't give the ball away. Um, they work hard, and they have big center backs that win headers. Um, it's as, as simple as can be, and it should have been something that United should have been able to solve. Even even giving up the first goal, they should have been able to solve the problem. But there was it was a lot of flat play from a lot of different players all over the field. Um which is interesting because the the formation and the addition of Michael Farfan in what was being called a withdrawn forward role, even though I thought he was clearly between Saburio and the midfield, um, it should have added more creativity. It should have been a more adept uh, attacking team in terms of solving problems, um, showing a little skill, um, and breaking up San Jose's pretty uh pretty organized block of eight in the back, and instead it just it just seemed like there weren't that many ideas out there. It seemed like they they needed long stretches of time to to come up with anything beyond you know uh I don't know what to do here, so let's just hook it across or let's just have a shot from you know out you know this odd angle or or what have you. It was a lot of settling before settling was necessary um you know, so there's certain times where you have to take a shot just because there's no other option, and this was not one of those games. It almost seemed like United was willing to play into San Jose's plan, and they were willing to just say, all right, fine, I'm just going to hit it and see what happens. And um, we don't really have the long-range shooters, you know, other than Taylor Kemp... Um, there isn't really that much of a long-range threat on D.C. United. We've seen Perry Kitchen hit a couple, but not often enough where we can say it's a a legitimate thing that he's always going to be good at. Um, Fabiana
2: oh
1: Yeah, and that's another thing that we have to be concerned about because he may or may not be able to play any part against the Red Bulls, and you've got to find a way to win without him. And the funny thing is they did it without him for a while, uh, the first time around um that's why United was in the, the in the lead in the shield chase for so long was because they got through those first six games without letting the season fall apart um and yet now, with more weapons uh more players that should be able to um, contribute with um Aguilar bendnet in a little more um with options on the left so that Chris Rolfe can move up as a second forward to replace Espindola in terms of role. Um, the team should be better at winning games without Espindola, and they are worse at winning games without Espindola. It's a strange thing going on. But it stra- is a strange team this year. Um, it's a strange season in MLS. To be, to be a, for- a team with 44 points and have, what is it, seven wins out of eight games where they've given up the first goal, It doesn't make any sense. It's not a thing that happens, um, in a league, especially in a league where uh, parity is so so dominant and teams are so given to get the lead and then go defensive uh, home or away, there's a lot of teams that do that and you don't see very many comebacks and yet, it, the last few weeks has been comebacks for everybody in MLS um, but United has been great at that but it's not the sort of profile of a team that leads the supporter shield for weeks and weeks It's it's puzzling to say the least So this game was kind of the
0: anti-RSL game for United. In that game, I think just about every field player who wasn't a center back took at least one shot from outside the 18. And and lots of players took shots in this game, but in that one, everyone felt like their shot was going in, and everyone was putting shots on frame and, and making the keeper make saves. This game... Everyone was missing the frame. No one seemed confident, even from early on. Ben, how much of that changes if Saburillo hits either of the sitters he had, especially the first half sitter? I, I know this is a counterfactual, and it's unknowable, well, right, but, right. but it, it really does feel like this game would have been 180 degrees different if United scores in the first half. If yeah. any of those, those chances goes in, the team is flying. Yeah, Maybe, yeah, or at definitely. least not hanging their heads.
2: Right. I mean, if, 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 yeah, like you said, especially if that first one, if that first one goes in, I think a draw is the most likely event. Maybe DC United pulls out a win out of that, but I think they might get, a, they have a very good chance of getting a draw, but for whatever reason, Zabarillo just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in that game, and it's, I mean, he, he he's been, he's played well-ish uh, since coming over from RSL, and so I don't, it's not a confidence issue overall. It just he was in a funk in this game and just couldn't dig himself out of it. And hopefully he can put this one behind him and figure it out going forward. But and that goes for
0: it, the rest it, of the team too. I mean,
2: Davy oh, Arnaud yeah.
0: had a couple of good chances.
2: Well, just, I mean,
0: one was too hesitant to take, and one he just scuffed. Yeah. And
2: well, although with Davy I, I, I mean, I'm on the fringe that not well, it's not a fringe, but that thinks that maybe especially after this game, that Halstead should get a start on this coming Sunday.
1: See, I, I don't. I actually thought a lot of the Arnaud criticism was out of place. I thought in a game where no one played well for D.C. United, I thought he might have been the best player in black. Uh, not that he played great or um, even a uh, strong good, but um, he created a lot of chances. Um, he was getting into the box. He was trying to drive the team as best he could to something, um, which is why he kept popping up in the area in times that we normally wouldn't see. Um, I don't know that the Salinas goal, uh, I don't know that there was much he could do because if he bit on the cross, Salinas would have had a good-looking shot rather than these sort of fluky, um, I'm passing to Ameriqua, but it's also going to get into the lower corner if no one touches it um, effort that ended up going in. Um, I, I if he if he didn't bite on that, then Salinas is getting to the end line, and then you're giving up another difficult thing. I mean, the, the, that goal, as far as I'm concerned, sits on Opari, deciding to go oh, well, um, yeah. all in at midfield. Um, I just, I thought I'm not, you know Arnaud played a decent game on a night where most of the players in in United colors did not play a decent game.
2: Yeah, um, but you but, but you've got to say you've got to change something in the spine of the team, and I don't know if it's just Steve Bernbaum coming back is
1: right and, and
2: and and Holstein
1: does add a certain element um against new york that we'll get into with um regards to their pressure um his ability to play the ball over distance opens the field up and all of a sudden you know you press hard and then he gets that pass away all your players are committed to one area of the field and and the ball is somewhere else so um yeah. he does and, and um we'll see a lot of who's going to be available from the starting lineup tomorrow night uh, because you have to assume that most of those guys, if they play over an hour, they're not going to start against the Red Bulls.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, it's a Tuesday to a Sunday. It's not like a Wednesday-Saturday. Uh,
1: that's
0: true. That's true. Well, we could keep going on and on about this game, and part of me wants to, but we have three other games to talk about this week. So instead, we're going to turn our attention now to the Don't Call It Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League. Damn, Why did you I say that said word? Their name. I still said their name. Damn it. Yeah. DC United went down to Panama and won last week beating Arabe Unido on Miguel Aguilar's late strike. And what a backheel from uh, Michael Farfan to set it up. We'll talk about that first. Um, uh, before that, though, I, I should mention DC United is going to look to put their stamp on the group and take total control of Group H at RFK. Tuesday night, uh, which might be tonight when you're listening to this, uh, against Montego Bay United. If you can't make it to the stadium because, say, you're in Chicago, if you're in D.C., you really don't have an excuse um, other than it's 7 p.m. on a weeknight. But you shouldn't use that excuse. You should go to the game. tickets are really cheap. 8
2: p.m. 8,
0: eight p.m. I'm in Chicago, so uh, everything changed. Yeah, I'm, I'm on stupid heathen time right now, and I don't like it. Uh, 8 p.m. on uh, Fox Sports 2 and whatever Fox's streaming platforms are. But go to the stadium. Anyway, Ben, like I said, uh, let, let's talk about Marfan's back heel on that goal because that was pretty.
2: It was a thing of beauty, and also he was definitely aiming for Miguel Aguilar. You, you,
0: there was some question about whether he was... Passing to Coria, who who did something right and continued his run after yes, passing no, that, to, that good to Farfan. That was good
2: too. good too. But he was definitely passing. <laughs> I mean, I to point Hikemar. that out because
0: Coria, because hasn't done much right in recent it's weeks true. or it's months. True.
2: And yes, and his entry pass to Marfan was also very nice. But yes, that back heel was amazing, and I'm I'm sure that basically that's the reason why he got the start uh, against San Jose as a withdrawn forward, which was. Bizarre and strange, uh, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm in favor of more Marfan. I want to see him on the field more, so yes, yeah, that, I that, agree. That's, I good. Like- that's good and great, and I'm sure we'll see him, probably not from the start, but I'm sure we'll see him in a significant role at RFK tomorrow night, or yeah. tonight, as you listen to this.
0: Yeah, I like Michael Farfan a lot, too. I like him a lot better in the center of the park than I do on the outside, and the even in Nick DeLeon's outside-in kind of right midfielder role that that works really, really well for D.C. United when it works. Um, I, I still like Farfan better in one of the, the central roles. Jason, we're going to see a lot of re- reserves tonight, tomorrow night, Tuesday against Mobe. Um, we saw a lot of reserves in Panama. Um this is the way United plays and apparently, so far, wins in, in the group stage of, of the Champions League. Is there any reason to change it and put more starters out at this point? Or is Montego Bay a team you can, you can run out the, the end of your, not, not necessarily the end of your bench, but the guys who aren't getting regular minutes and, and fully expect a good result?
1: Uh no, United should be able to, to win this game with a similar lineup to the one that played in Panama, which was definitely uh pretty far short of the normal starting eleven. Um you know, Montego lost three nothing to Arabe Unido in, in that opening game. Um in the opening game of the group, Um and they looked like a team that was pretty disorganized. Um they looked like a team that is gonna be vulnerable to the, the team we're going to put on the field is still going to be a pretty good one. Chris Pontius, uh, it seems safe to assume is going to start. Um, Marcus Halstey, I think we'll probably be seeing him. Um, Jairo Arrieta should be able to cause plenty of damage against, um, the, the with the gaps that Montego is leaving against Robbie Unido. If those are there, he'll be able to find plenty of room. Um, as long as he stays on side, which is always the caveat with him. Um, Miguel Aguilar, I think, is going to have a very good game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't feel like the, in this game, I don't think there's any reason to change things up and risk uh, any starters that that would normally be in place because now that we've we've got three points against Aravenito in Panama. Um, the advantage is in place as far as United uh, United's concerned in the group stage. Um, they don't have to worry about the goal difference situation. Um, and really, realistically they should be able to get three goals against Montego Bay at home. They've had a couple weeks to prepare um, and fix them some issues. But at the same time, uh, they just changed coaches. So whatever preparation they had done um, in their preseason is kind of scrapped by the fact that they switched coaches all of a sudden, um, which is the kind of thing that happens in the champions league. It's sort of, it, I guess it's part of the charm. Um, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why a guy like Jalen Robinson shouldn't be starting this game, because that's where someone like him is going to learn. Him and Luke Mishu did all right against Arabe Unido, and, and they'll be facing a different sort of challenge, more speed-based than anything else, um, and, and they'll have to step up and, and deal with that. Um, so hopefully... Uh, hopefully they can deliver because this is the chance for them to show that they are ready to play more often and can be trusted. You know, we've had Olsen saying recently when asked who would back up Sean Franklin in an MLS game due to Chris Korb's injury. And it seemed like Olsen wanted to list everybody, but the fullbacks that he has available. Um, He mentioned Nick Dalio and he mentioned Davy Arnaud. uh, He mentioned Harry Kitchen, which is a move that none of us want to see happen. He He mentioned Marcus Halstie, which I don't, Feel like Halcy has enough speed to play out wide, um, but you know this is the chance for a guy like Mishu or a guy like Robinson to say, you know, why shift a starter out of their best position when you can fill in decently enough with a specialist right back? This is this is how those guys prove it is uh, games like this.
2: And I, yeah, and just to continue on what you said, I really liked what, especially Robinson showed because most of us haven't seen a lot of what he does. And even in the USL, he's mostly played center back. So to see him actually play some right back, which is probably where he's going to end up uh, in MLS, and to see him play pretty decently, that was heartening.
0: Unless you guys have anything to add or anything more to talk about on the Champions League, hearing nothing, we are going to take a quick break. We will be right back. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, you know how you're always going on and on about legal advice on this show? Well, yeah. And you never, ever use the term correctly?
2: Well, of course not. I try not to use the term correctly.
0: Right. Our new sponsors, the Ehrlich Law Office, they do use the term correctly all the time. In fact, that is what they do.
2: Oh, so if I actually wanted legal advice, I should probably go to them?
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're in Northern Virginia or the District of Columbia, they handle employment issues, general civil litigation, defamation, lots of stuff. Uh, they have you covered, Jason. I'm sorry, they do not have you covered because you are in Maryland, where they are not operating just yet.
1: Uh, fine. So,
0: Ehrlich Law Office. It's a, it's really good people. Uh, Josh is their their main proprietor. Josh Ehrlich. Uh, he's a law school friend of mine. He, one of their their attorneys, Ben. Uh, a lot of our listeners know him from games and and other places. So, guys, for free consultation go to com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It is now time to talk about the oldest, best, biggest rivalry in Major League Soccer, and that is the Atlantic Cup. DC United traveling up to New Jersey Sunday night for a nationally televised Game at Red Bull Arena. Uh, because I'm on Heathen time, I'm not at all sure what time the actual game is in real life time. Either of you, is it six? Is it seven?
1: I haven't looked at it. We had a game between now and then. No help. No, no help from the Peanut Gallery. So uh,
0: I'm, I'm sure it'll be in. Ben, put it in the post whenever you post this on on Black and Red United. <laughs> Uh, DC United has already played the Red Bulls twice this year, losing 2-0 in March at Red Bull Arena and drawing 2-2 at RFK in April, which means, under the rules of the Atlantic Cup, because DC United are the current holders, all United need is a two-goal win to claim claim the Cup for a record 14th time in 20 years.
2: For those Um, of you currently yelling at the podcast, it's at 7 p.m. on Sunday.
0: Thank you Ben. Unfortunately right now the Metros are on a bit of a roll winning their last two by a combined 5 to nothing and going unbeaten since losing to the Columbus Crew on the 4th of July. Ben, what is it that, that the Red Bulls are doing so well right now? That, that they just keep winning games and or at least not losing
2: games. I mean, yeah, they're really great right now and I think a lot of it has to do with the guy that DC United traded away. I mean it made sense at the time but just seeing how Dax McCarty has bloomed into the captain of the New York Red Bulls is pretty astounding and it's a classic win now versus win later mentality and DC United wasn't using Dax McCarty right but uh, yeah he's been really good for them and I mean, they have accoutrements around him that make it really great. But yeah,
0: yeah, I, McCarty, I I will second the yeah. There's I'm in a hallway, guys. There's noises in the background. Um, oh, I will second. I didn't say anything. Then <laughs> you were making it. I was I will second. <laughs> I will second the notion that that Dax McCarty was being misused here in DC. We tried to turn him into an attacking midfielder and that's not what he is. And he's doing very well in in deeper in midfield for for New York New Jersey, whatever you want to call him. Um, Metro Stars. Jason, they've they made one big signing this summer bringing in uh, the older brother of their designated player, and the two of them have, have combined pretty well since uh, reuniting forces, and that's, of course, Sean Wright Phillips joining the team from whatever English QPR. club he'd been... He was at QPR. I, I didn't know if he was somewhere in League Two or something at this point. No, no. not
2: Thankfully, Henry didn't go there. Thankfully, yeah.
1: QPR is just willing to sign whoever... Yeah, I mean, a name like Sean Wright-Phillips, I and mean, if you're yeah. QPR, right. why not take a flyer? Yeah, have a 70-man roster. That's yeah, the sign. Ian, Ian, Wright. Ian
2: Wright.
1: is Just Ian Wright.
2: Yeah, why not?
0: Uh, he joins his little brother, Bradley Wright-Phillips, on the Red Bulls, and Jason, they've been doing pretty well on the field so far. I'm sorry yeah. to say.
1: Um, but a lot of that has to do with when Sean Wright-Phillips is playing. He's coming in off the bench... Um, every single pretty much every single appearance, I'm not sure he even has one start yet. Um because it, partially because Lloyd Sam has been very good this season. At one point he was in the the early part of the spring, he was looking like the best player in MLS. Um that has cooled off. Um but he's still been effective. Um and Mike Grella has kept his spot despite the obvious attempt to replace him with Sean Wright Phillips or Gonzalo Varone, who if you believe the Argentine press New York might have spent a couple million dollars on. Um, Though he may not be a winger. That's another issue that they're going to have to deal with. Um, But it's all of a sudden a spot that they had no real depth at has all of a sudden gotten very deep and they can bring in. And in fact, it's been almost comical because I think it's two or three games in a row where they've brought in Sean Wright Phillips and Verone for their other two wingers uh, basically at the same time. Um, which is sort of like a youth soccer sort of substitution. Um, But the the issue becomes you bring in two fast, creative players late in a game, and since New York has been winning and leading a lot of games lately, they are catching teams when they're stretched out, and then Bradley Wright Phillips is there to finish off whatever they create. So um, I don't necessarily look at them as that, that duo as the threat so much as just the general idea that New York is going to be fast and going to be creative on the wings, no matter who they play. Um, Grella really didn't have a good reputation coming in. He had been, um, a couple of MLS teams had had him on trial and, and passed. Um, he'd been playing in the third division in England and I think maybe even in league two. Um, but, uh, since he came to the Red Bulls, uh, Jesse Marsh has figured out a role for him that really fits, uh, his game. And, uh, he's looked much more creative than anyone thought he was going to be. His reputation when he was at Duke was that he was basically just a goal poacher um, and, you know, a hard worker and things like that, but nothing special, just an effective version of that college soccer stereotype. Um, and he actually has quite a bit of skill, and he's he's got sort of a a low – he's not in a spindle level player, but he's got that sort of I'm going to try this and whatever happens, happens um, – sort of uh, attitude, and he's justifiably keeping his spot. I mean, eventually, they're going to have to... I mean, you don't spend the money they spend on Verone and and leave a guy like Corrella as a starter, but um, it just really emphasizes the fact that their midfield is really the strength of their team. Um, and Wright Phillips's job uh, has become a little different uh, without Thierry Henry, um, where... Phillips now has to drop, right Phillips has to drop in a little bit and be a little bit more of a creative player as well. Last year he really just had to stay out of the way and finish. Um, and his goal scoring totals are down. But I would say his level of play is almost as good as last season, um, despite the fact that he's not going to get to 27 goals or even close to it. Um, he's probably not even going to get to 17 goals. Um, but the, the midfield for New York is is by far what what makes them good, what why they're winning games is their midfield because if you look at their back four, you see names that are vulnerable. Um and they've got to protect that that group by pressing and by attacking and making making the other team defend so that their defenders don't get exposed. Because when they do, that's when they run into problems.
0: So let's talk about that midfield. You mentioned earlier that and, and we learned this very early in the season, unfortunately, that, that New York's midfield pressure is legit. It is something that teams have to deal with when when the metros are clicking. Um, how can DC United deal with the pressure in midfield better this time than they did earlier in the season?
1: Well, I think I think in the the home game they did okay with it. Um, they seemed at least more prepared for it than they did at Red Bull Arena where. Even though they knew it was coming, they, I don't think they knew the specifics yet. And, and they seemed sort of lost as a result. Um, I mean, it was hard to know the specifics because there wasn't right, a lot of tape on Jesse Marsh's Red Bulls that existed right. at that point. Um, but but one thing that, that comes to mind is they've had a harsh lesson in what happens when you don't get this right at, at Montreal when a team in a, same, a similar formation um, really pressed on Perry Kitchen a lot to make it so that DC generally isn't very good at playing out of the back. They play to the kitchen or they play long. Um, there's not really a diverse range of things that they do playing out of the back. And Montreal showed that if you just press kitchen and deny him any sort of comfort in those situations, all of a sudden DC's possession game really breaks down. Um, New York is is going to do that. And Sasha Kleschen is better at pressing than Ignacio Piatti, who is – a more creative player. is not really what he's supposed to be out there doing. Um, so I think a major thing for DC is going to be getting the ball, uh, moving side to side quickly. There can't be really any slowness on the ball. They can't be methodical because New York is going to pressure the ball and eventually make it come loose. Um, United needs to be playing in the back with few touches and covering a little more space. So, it, for example, if you see Franklin on the ball, he should. If he wants to get the ball over to the other side of the field, it shouldn't be Franklin to Boswell to Burnbaum to Kemp. Franklin should look to bypass Boswell at the very least. And if the switch is on, if he's not being pressed in that moment, and or or if the press is coming but it hasn't arrived, he should look to switch the ball entirely on his own. Um, you need to you need to get a pressing team moving side to side so they get heavy numbers on one side of the field while the ball is headed to the other side, and then all of a sudden their pressure becomes a negative. Uh, they become congested on the wrong side of the field and they're scrambling and then you can catch them. Um, but you've got to be able to play around that first wave of pressure and Bradley Wright Phillips has done okay. But I think the real key is the fact that Sasha question has done really well as a, as a leader of their pressure. He sort of signifies to the rest of the team what is supposed to happen. Um, and so when he sees the moment before he's very good at seeing when he's going to be able to press before that moment is is apparent you know you, you see a guy that's going to receive his ball receive a pass that's maybe not perfect um Klushin already sees the pass is bad before it gets there and is already making his move to pressure um so that's going to be difficult for United they've got to be better on the ball than they usually are um in the back and they've got to give New York a reason to stand off um, and that has to be early. Uh, we have to see a better start where New York New York has been really good lately at pressuring for periods and then backing off for a few minutes and then getting back started again. Some teams are bad at switching from those two modes. New York is good at that. Um, but I think if you give them a reason to be worried, um, if you give them a reason to not necessarily press at all times, they aren't like Kansas City. Kansas City will just press anyway. They don't care. Um, they don't learn from anything. Um, New York is going to be a little cautious if you make them have a reason. If you give them a reason to be cautious, they will. And if you take them out of their pressure, or if you even just throw their decision-making process on whether to press or not off a little bit, um, all of a sudden that their whole game plan kind of breaks down a little bit because they're very reliant on pressing effectively. And if you get them out of sorts. All of a sudden, you know, guys like Connor Leid are out there by themselves, possibly defending a flank with no help. Um, someone like Felipe can be a liability in those moments. He's he's been very good, but you can catch him in in moments where spatially the team is very clogged on one side, and then they they can't drift over to the other way. Felipe, since in those moments, seems lost on the field, and that's maybe why Dax McCarty has to play so well, is that um he has to get into a position so that Felipe's positioning isn't a problem. Um he sort of has to carry Felipe's weight a little bit sometimes. Um but but generally speaking it has to be about moving the ball quickly and hopefully getting getting at the fullbacks because New York uh Kamar Lawrence I think is still going to be out which means we could see um we're not going we're probably not going to see Roy Miller um who has been displaced by uh uh Anthony Wallace recently but Wallace is playing above himself, but he's still not that great of a left back. We've seen Connor Laid have trouble against DC United in the past. So uh, there are options to get at them and, and attack them. It's just you've got to get out of your own half first to do it.
2: So does Dax McCarty have to pick up Felipe like Joe Bendick?
1: Uh, that, would be, uh, that would be more than a little amusing given that Joe Bendik is like a foot taller than Dax McCarty. Um, <laughs> I think if Felipe got on McCarty's shoulders, they might be able to combat and fight off Joe Bendik's uh, challenges. Maybe that's the next time they play each other, they should do that. They might be almost as tall as Joe Bendik at that point. Almost. Still close, close, enough. Enough, close enough for it to be a competitive fight rather than just a <laughs> giant man heaving a tiny man off the field.
0: <laughs> ben, what individual performances, who, who do you want to see specifically step up uh, a, against the Metros and, and improve their form that, that we've seen? lately, because a lot of people on DC United could probably stand to use an increase in form, yes. whether it be bad finishing against the Earthquakes or uh, being pressed into oblivion by, a, by the impact, or you know, just allowing shots in the box when you're a, a center back. There, there are lots of candidates for this, but who is it that you want to see really step up in this game?
2: Hmm... Um, uh, can I give two? Can I give two answers? Fine. <laughs> I'm, both of them are up the spine of the team. Uh, I want to see Bobby Boswell really step up and have a dominant game that made him a Defender of the Year finalist, like he was yet last year. He's been good this year, but he hasn't been anywhere near Defender of the Year quality this year. So I want to see him step up and this may be a little bit of heresy but i want to see perry kitchen step back up a uh, perry kitchen has been fine recently but again he w- he had stepped up and was down the stretch last year and even the beginning of this year he had been good to g- close to great close to us men's national team quality and these past mm, probably 2 months he hasn't been that quality and i think he also needs to step back up and regain that quality that we know he has, we know he is USMNT quality, but he needs to step back up and prove it again.
0: I think combining what Jason was talking about earlier with what, what you've been saying and what lots of commenters have, have asked for, it does make sense for Marcus Halstey to be in, in this game. He's a guy who is very good at making himself available for passes, both from the back four and from his midfield partner, and he might free Perry Kitchen up to be more of a forward destroyer and, and try to break up Dax McCarty and Felipe's possession or or, or do whatever else. That said, Arnaud was very good. Jason, given Halstey's fitness issues, which he himself brought up after the game against uh, Arabe Unido, is there any chance we see him in New Jersey this week? He might come in as a, off the bench, but... I have some I have some trouble seeing him starting in this game because it's going to be a demanding physically demanding environment.
1: Yeah, I do wonder especially given that um DC could use a good start, um it might still be worth giving him some time from the start and just uh going from there, but uh, the issue becomes, you know, you United is going to be and is going to end up having to destroy more than they create probably in this game. Which means Davey Arnaud's, uh, talents are probably going to be called upon. Um, and with Steve Birnbaum's ability to, to defend in the box, it's hard to argue that he would be replaced. And you're not, it's pretty unlikely that is going to start at center back over Bobby Boswell. I do think that's an interesting idea for this game as a one-off though, because Halstey's ability to open the field with his passing, if that doesn't change, he doesn't lose that ability by playing center back. Um the issue becomes, you know, Boswell is the team captain and the organizer of the defense, and he's not going to get benched uh for what, a tactical one off.
2: What about as a one-off, a four, two, three, one with Kitchen and Halsty deep and Arnaud playing forward destroyer in the in the center of the attacking it, three? It's possible and we've seen Olsen come up with some things for
1: games against teams like uh that play a five man midfield that are uh, sort of an inventive way to to deal with the problem. Um, you do run into an uh, probably a low level of possession and creativity in that in that setup, but they've got to do something. Um I actually kind of like the the way that they faced Vancouver. um not that this helps Halstead's chances at all. Um, mm-hmm. but by having two uh, seemingly attacking players playing ahead of kitchen, uh, but tasking them with the job of breaking up the possession of the two holding midfielders for the opponent, um, you end up going one on one in midfield all over the place, and you're catching a team off guard. You know, New York, maybe maybe they've got that game in mind as well, but it's only it's one game out of all of the games DC's played this year, um, and it's not like United has gone back to that ever since then. Um, I wonder, because Michael
0: Farfan played that advanced role in that Vancouver game, and I wonder if trying to get him 90 minutes back-to-back this week, um, because he, maybe not 90 minutes, but getting him as many minutes as they could against Arambe Unido and against San Jose, I wonder if some of that is to prep for a tactical ambush starring him against the Metros. That would be...
1: There would be some some next level plotting yeah.
0: by Ben Olsen.
1: Um, would be, it, would would be, fun. it would be pretty interesting because that was a game where it looked like United was going to play more of a diamond. And when they attacked, they did kind of play out of a diamond, but then when they defended, Chris Rolfe got in alongside Farfan. Um, And it, it did require a lot of hard work from Chris Rolfe, and it might not be compatible with a team where Fabian Espindola is back, which is a possibility as well. Um, but it, you know, the way the game, the previous game between DC and New York went, and the way the last few weeks have gone for DC, I think there needs to be a lot of different looks considered uh, um, on the, you know, in the next couple days because by Wednesday you need to be already doing your prep for that game. So. Today, Monday, when we're recording, they should have spent plenty of time on it. Um, Even with a game on Tuesday, there still should be more work done to prep because if we're being honest, the bigger game is the one on the weekend, Um, especially since the starters are going to be playing that game. They're they're not going to be having to deal with this game tomorrow night. Um, So those guys can actually be working on team shape issues that the other group doesn't have to think about as much. Um, but th- something is going to have to change because right now the way United is playing and the way the Red Bulls are playing, if those if those two, um, you know, the rough uh, stereotype of those two sets of teams come out and play at Red Bull Arena, we're not looking at any chance of three points. Um, United needs to play much better, but they also need to do something to curtail the Red Bulls uh, form lately because that's the you know they are arguably the hottest team in the league outside of the, uh, the Galaxy. So something's got to be shifted. It's... They're also United's biggest rivals for
0: first place in the East at this right. point.
1: And and so, something has to be shifted to throw them off of their game as well as help United play better because lately they just haven't been playing well enough and. The results look okay, but it's because they're getting away with it by highly unlikely scenarios like winning a game in which the other team took 24 more shots or scoring six goals. These are not the, This is not a normal way of being a team that keeps their head above water, um, but something's got to give, and I don't think the option is score six goals. I don't think that one's going to come up again for a while.
2: Something's um, going to happen now where something's got to give? It'll come, yes. it'll come. It'll come. It'll Name come.
1: Name justice. Ben
0: Ben, I was going to ask you if there was anything else you wanted to add, but clearly clearly not. So
2: just, just <laughs> me with quotes.
0: So I will just say find us on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast. At black and red U for the website. Like us on Facebook. Black and Red United is the site there. Find us on iTunes, find us on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, uh, but mostly word of mouth is is how uh, the word spreads about filibuster, so when you're on the bus up to Jersey or you find yourself tailgating on a Tuesday night at RFK, tell a friend about us, we'd really appreciate it. That's all for this week, we'll talk to you real soon. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam coming to you from a hallway in Chicago. Say goodbye, Jason.
1: Goodbye, Jason.